Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome in to this week's edition of The Hard Foul. I'm your host, intern Joe Machika. With me as always is my co-host, the man, the myth, legend, Jack Veltry. Jack, how are we doing this fine Wednesday evening? It's uh, It's been a busy week, I can't lie, Joe, just moving into my apartment um, that I just recently purchased or rented out, I guess you should say. And uh, it's been a lot of moving pieces this week, but, uh, you know, we don't have a chair this week to uh, sit in and uh, do this thing. So we're standing up and doing the stream, but it's okay. It's, uh, you know, we do, we do what we have to do to make it work. So I'm looking forward to uh, talking about this week uh, with men's basketball. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, South Carolina coming off a blowout loss to Alabama. Jack didn't make the trip to Tuscaloosa last night due to weather. But what did you see from the game last night? Obviously, not a whole lot of great stuff in the second half. But just walk me through your overall takeaways from the game last night in Bama. And we'll get into specifics here in a second. I saw a tale of two halves, if you will. I saw the first half – well. Let's put, let's let's start at the beginning. I think the first, the opening minutes of this game were pretty good, all things considered. I think you go on a 13-3 run to start the game um, after Alabama hits the opening shot of the game, and you're doing everything right. You're not scoring. You're not you're not you're not getting the three ball like you would maybe want to, but you're getting some good inside looks. You're creating a lot of mistakes on Alabama's part by turnovers. I think Alabama had already like four or five turnovers in like the first 10 minutes of the game, which is a lot. And because of that, you're able to go on that run, but you're not able to do anything after that. See, that's that's the problem with last night's game is that South Carolina had its chance in the beginning to kind of lay its foot on the gas, if you will, but they couldn't. And because of that, you keep the door open for Alabama, who has one of the highest – I think the highest scoring, maybe the highest scoring offense in the country. Either way, they lead the country in adjusted offensive efficiency. So by that metric, one of the highest scoring offenses out there. And, you know, they got Mark Sears, Aaron Estrada, guys who can sling it, shoot it. And they eventually uh, caught fire. And it was just too much for South Carolina to overcome. Yeah, absolutely. And I was talking with a couple of our colleagues and stuff like that in the industry, and I was just saying that, you know, it it was it's really hard to chase a lead when Bama's offense is that freaking fast, and they have dynamic guards like Spears who can score at will, um, seemingly. And you know, it's it's harder, you know, I mean, because their offense was fast last year, right, with Brandon Miller. I mean, it just wasn't as fast because Brandon Miller's a small forward. We kind of have to get him the ball in different situations and slow it down a little bit. So I think the big thing, um, you know, last night, it, it's really hard to chase the lead against an offense that is that fast-paced and can score that quickly. You don't really have any time to get set defensively and kind of pick out the looks and force the looks that you want. You, you're kind of always on the go and you can't really build any momentum defensively. So I think that's one, you know, learning experience that this team will have to go through. Um, one of the bigger things last night, because I mean, you saw last night, you know, that game got away from them very quickly um, and they needed to put a stop to, you know, the uh, 
stop to the bleeding and they just were unable to do that. They were unable to get their feet set defensively and just, you know, be able to breathe um, as a defense. And, you know, this team has played a lot. I mean, Jack, we talk about it every week. This team plays a team um, more or less a lot more than last year's team. And so, you know, defensively, we've seen that a lot as well. Um, but I think this is the first time that they just haven't really had any time to collect their breath, right? Any, any time to really kind of get in his own, get a couple stops to go their way and just really, you know, e- even if you're missing shots, chasing the lead to be able to continue that momentum, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And it was hard in a midweek game on the road at Alabama. I'm glad you brought all that up, Joe, just because, like you said, you give Alabama a chance and they take it a mile. And here's the thing about last night. I think we got back to seeing the team that, you know, we saw last year in SEC play, the one that had good stretches, had good, you know, play at times, but overall they really couldn't put it together. And you kind of see a resemblance to that last night because, like Lamont Paris also pointed out, you know, in the first half, I think there was a shot Michi Johnson would was taking on the outside. Um, you know, he could have drove in because he had a six foot eleven defender on him. Don't remember who it was, but anyway, um, you know, Michi Johnson is obviously not that tall. So by that logic, you know, six eleven guy mismatch, drive inside, try to get an layup. Instead, he tries shooting the three ball, misses. You know, that stuff that. South Carolina shouldn't be doing, right? And then you go into the second half, one-point game, and you're unable to score for over six and a half minutes. And because of that, Alabama just goes on their little run. Mark Sears starts lighting up from three-point range. Aaron Estrada, same deal. And by that point, I think they went on maybe a 13-0 run, and it's just it's too much to overcome. And then the three balls just keep falling, and that's kind of Alabama's identity. They're going to take a lot of three-pointers, similar to South Carolina, except except Alabama's going to hit them more often, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, it was just it was just a lot of things went wrong. I think another thing that's kind of getting overlooked and not talked about enough is the adjustments that Alabama clearly made uh, going into the going into the second half because defensively speaking, they weren't playing that great. Uh, against South Carolina, even though they only gave 29 points, even though South Carolina wasn't shooting that great, they were still in the game because of a few good shots here and there. So taking away the outside shots and the, well, I should, I shouldn't say the outside shots. My, my apologies. The inside shots were kind of taken away. You know, the, you know, the paint play was kind of just non-existent in the second half. You had to look a lot more to the outside. You know, the saying is live by the three die by the three so that's something that kind of just hurt South Carolina yesterday you're not you're not going to win many games when you shoot just over 20 percent from the field um, in one period so you know you got to really make sure this doesn't linger going forward if this were if this were last year odds are this probably would linger and continue for the next game so it's important for South Carolina now you got a few Days off here. You're back on the road again at Missouri on Saturday. You really have to make sure that you're course correcting a lot of these things. And it's it's hard to correct these things before another game, right? But you can look at the film and adjust these little things. Like 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 I said before, Michi Johnson should be driving inside on a guy that is six foot eleven. He shouldn't be outside on the wing 
and taking a three-pointer with that guy in his face. That's just that's just silly basketball right there. It just comes down to playing a lot smarter and, and ultimately other guys stepping up and hitting their shots. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what went wrong team in Alabama is, you know, the typical things that will go wrong for this team. I mean, shooting wasn't there um, and you were chasing the ball defensively. It's plain and simple. If this team is going to lose games, that's how it's going to be. Uh, Jack, I agree with you. I don't think this loss is going to linger too long, uh, you know, with the squad. Michi Johnson seems to have their mentals on tracks. Also, shout out to ESPN coach of the week, Lamont Paris, even though they lost last again, that, that game kind of got away from them. I don't think the score, you know, reflects on how that game went at all. Um, so I think that's a, it's, it's very big deal when, you know, that game just did that's not you know those two teams are not a 30 point gap right um so you know you've got more chances in the sec traveling to missouri on saturday um obviously that's a really big one but yeah i i don't doubt this team's ability to fly you have a lot of veteran guys too on this team and they know um not to dwell on a loss too bad especially this early in sec play it's your own it's only your second game midweek game at alabama where again the game just got away from you very, very quickly. So um, that's kind of my takeaways. Jack, anything else from uh, Alabama that you can kind of point at? Yeah, just, you know, with covering the game yesterday and all that stuff and just seeing kind of the reaction. Because you knew at some point a game like this might happen just because this is still a team that is, you know, not – they've had a great start to the year. Don't get me wrong. But the competition really takes a steep – uh, incline from this point on and seeing, you know, everyone kind of react to the fact that they lost by 30 points, you know, Oh, the, the season is over, you know, South Carolina is back to its old roots, that sort of thing. I mean, it is the second game of sec play. Let's, let's be real. It's, that's such a awful take to kind of have because you have 16 games left in sec play and there are a lot of games South Carolina could still win. This is Alabama, after all. This is the defending SEC champion. And, you know, Alabama's a great team. They have a lot of great shooters. And I think they're top 10 in Ken Palm, even with their record. Like, if you're looking just at their record, I think that's kind of the wrong way to look at this game in general. You have to look more at the numbers. You know, like I said before, they lead the country in adjusted offensive efficiency. They, um, I'm trying to think of other things, but it's stuff like that. They are a great overall team that, I mean, they like I said, they won the SEC last year. They were the best in the conference, and they still very well could be. And they have a brutal schedule too. I mean, they lost a lot of games. They lost to Clemson. They lost to Purdue. They lost to Arizona. They lost to Creighton. Those are all top twenty-five teams, and they played pretty close against them. So, you know, th- this is still a good team, and they are where South Carolina should hope to be in a few years under Lamont Paris. Um, you know, it's just – it takes time, right? You're going to have games like this where your shooting's not on point and you're making the wrong decisions and stuff, and you just got to move on. You know, don't dwell on this for too long. Just just throw it away. Act like it never happened, but also try to learn from your mistakes at the same time. You know, move on, but n- know that you got to fix the things that didn't go according to plan. But that's really all yeah. I have left to say from this game. Absolutely. And I mean, that sums it up. David as well. Bad shooting and decision-making night. Move on next up Missouri. Absolutely. And I think they know that, right? This was one of those basketball games, the way it got away from them 
Uh, it was just kind of 50 50 decision making style. Um, you know, it just bad decisions in bad spots. A new game will present new decisions. So you move it, you flush, um, and you move on. Uh, Jack, next up, the Missouri Tigers in the Columbia. Another road test for the Gamecocks early on in this SEC slate. What are you seeing from Mizzou? Um, and, and how do you expect this game to go? Yeah, this is a game that. In all honesty, look, I know South Carolina is not really favored to win it, but um, that doesn't really matter because, I mean, things happen. Um, look, at the, look at the Mississippi State game, for instance. I think South Carolina wasn't favored to win that game, if I'm not mistaken, and, uh, you know, they ended up winning. So things happen. Uh, don't take too much stock into those sorts of things. That said, um, Missouri, in my opinion, I feel like has kind of underperformed uh, this season. You know, they, they lost um, – early in the year to Jackson state who is at the bottom of Ken Palm. And then, you know, they have a really tough three game stretch where they, you know, they lose to Kansas, they lose to Seton hall, they lose to Illinois. Those are all good teams. And, you know, because of that, the record, it looks a little worse than it is, uh, you know, eight and seven. Um, they're off to a bad start in sec play losing to Georgia and then, obviously, Kentucky is the upper echelon of SEC basketball for years now. So, it's kind of important for the Tigers to get off to a, um, you know, get back on the winning track against South Carolina this weekend. Because after that, you gets, it gets a lot tougher, right? You have Alabama, then Florida, then A&M, and then it's back to South Carolina. But this time, it'll be in, um, you know, at CLA on the 27th. So, Winning this game's huge. Uh, you know, offensively speaking, they're fine. Nothing great. Middle of the pack, in my opinion. Um, and then, you know, I mean, just, it, it, you know, you have to be able to win this game. I think South Carolina has a good chance to do that. You need I to win this game. They have, they have, have, have to yeah. win this game. Have to win this game. You there do are win no, this game. There are no easy games in league play, but I think if you, you know, realistically speaking, want to make the tournament, like I said, you need that nine to maybe maybe eight wins minimum to make the tournament, get to that 20-win plateau. This is one of those games I think you have to win. Um, just looking at Missouri, they have a few good players to speak of. I think Sean East is one of them. Uh, he is you know averaging 17.5 points this season on 55% shooting. So that's probably going to be the main guy to look for. Um, and then you got another guy like Noah Carter, who is, uh, you know, a big boy, uh, six, well, not a big, well, big in some ways, six, six, two thirty five, And, uh, you know, he, he presents some challenges. He's their re leading rebounder, um, for Missouri, but I think BJ Mack, who we should talk about here needs to match up well against him. And, um, you know, just, I think South Carolina's got the right tools to win this game. Just, it comes down to shooting better and playing your game. I mean, for a time, I mean, I forgot to talk about this with the Alabama game, but I think they did out-rebound uh, the Tide at one point in that game for a good bit. I think in the first half especially, yeah. uh, they were winning the rebound battle and playing well inside. And like I said before, Alabama took that ability to, away in the second half. So if you're able to get back to that level of consistency, playing well inside, and then, like we talked about, shooting better, um, from behind the arc and hitting your two-point jumpers and stuff, you're probably going to win the game. So it's going to be another tough environment um, out there in Como. But, uh, you know, never say never. And uh, just hope that this doesn't have a snowball effect moving forward. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, I would agree. I think you have to win this game at Mizzou um, if you want to keep momentum alive. Uh, Missouri eight and seven, zero and two on conference. You know, losses at blowout loss at Kentucky, um, and then you lost to UGA as well. They probably should have beaten UGA. Jackie brought up underperforming. The UGA won. Um, the UGA game is a game they probably should have won. Uh, and I'll say this. I mean. ESPN gives Missouri a 63% chance to win this game. I, I mean, I don't know what's been up with the matchup predictors. I mean, they were giving Bama a 91% chance, something like that. And granted, Bama blew South Carolina out the water. But, I mean, that first half, those teams pretty level. So, I don't know. Uh, but, I, again, maybe it's the home factor in college hoops. It's a little bit the uh, matchup predictor is a little bit more biased. I don't know. But, again, I think South Carolina matches up really well with Mizzou. Um, you know, you need your bigs to play really, really well on the road. Um, I think it's going to be one thing to watch. Stephen Clark, BJ Mack, um, and Josh Gray need to step up on the boards. And then Colin Murray Boyles, shout out to our guy Jamie Shaw. Uh, he threw up um, Colin Murray Boyles in his Power 6 freshman to watch um, for the week, I believe. Uh, and so, yeah, Boyles able to step up, proving that freshmen can, you know, produce well in a, in a role in the system. You know, obviously this year you're seeing more veterans play, but um, Murray Boyles is, you know, paving the way for freshmen, showing that freshmen – obviously you had Gigi Jackson last year, and that's kind of an exception. But freshmen who, you know, who come to, you know, play in South Carolina, you know, as maybe a sophomore, junior, that kind of thing, Murray Boyles is stepping up. So shout-out to him, and shout-out to Lamont for, you know, trusting him to be in that situation, to, you know – be in, in games where, you know, you need a rebounding boost, you need a defense boost, um, and Murray Boyles is certainly playing up to that standard as well. David Green asked the turnovers. Yeah, obviously turnovers is something to watch. Um, it's it's going to be a big thing down the stretch for this team. Um, I don't know if you were talking about Murray Boyles specifically, but, I mean, just in general. I think um, he's, talk, I think he's talking about this in general. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll cut you off for a second, Joe. So No, you're good. Yeah, glad you brought that up, David. Just – the turnovers yesterday, I mean, that's an, there's so many things that went kind of south yesterday with that game that, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to remember all of them at this point, right? Um, but turnovers, yeah, that's another big one, um, just, in, just in general, yeah. But, uh, you know, 17 turnovers yesterday against Alabama, that is not good enough. Not good enough. And, I, I mean, look, I, I mean, I'll, who's Alabama to talk? They had 15, right? So, it's like it, it, it kind of just evens out at that point. But still, I mean – a lot of those turnovers did come in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. And it was just from watching that game yesterday, you know, they would run the ball up to the top of the key and then just dish it off inside and, oh, it would get picked off. And I think what we talked about before with Alabama playing at a high pace, I think South Carolina just couldn't hang with that sort of uh, play because South Carolina, as we know, takes things a little bit slower. They play at their own speed and – Having Alabama play at that high tempo, I think, was just a little too much to handle. Um, in addition to everything else, but they they just caught, they just got caught sleeping a bunch of times, and that's not really what you want. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there's just so much that went wrong with that game yesterday. You only have two guys that actually shoot pretty well. Everyone else was just kind of uh, kind kind of not good. Uh, BJ Mack, yeah. one of them. I just think he has been quite honestly just awful lately uh i don't know what it is a guy his size and uh he should be really playing a lot better but he's not 
And that's kind of unfortunate because you really need him during this sort of stretch and SEC play. This is what you brought him in for, right? You didn't bring him in just to play well against non-conference teams, right, that he's going to play well against. You brought him in to play big boy basketball. And so far he has just been, you know, not living up to that kind of expectation. But I think he does have the capability to turn it around at any moment. So it just it really comes down to getting some good shots off. I thought yesterday, I think he had a three at the start of the game. And I was like, oh, well, maybe this will be the night where he actually gets it going. But as it turns out, it wasn't. I think he scored seven points in the first half and then just a big goose egg after that. And I, and I mean, you could say the same for a lot of guys. I mean, Michi Johnson and Talon Cooper were the only ones that really had a good night. And then just it was a bad night all around. So I think, you, like you said, flush this game, move on, and uh, make your adjustments. Yeah, just need to make your adjustments. I think turnovers, obviously, David, thank you for bringing that up because that's that's your biggest thing. And when you do get blown out like this badly, it's just it is one of those things where you you kind of just wipe it right. You look at what you did wrong and then you improve on it. Um, and it is, you know, sometimes kind of a breath of fresh air, if you if you will, when you play, you know, an offense that high paced, it just keeps you disciplined. Like Jack said, they were kind of getting beat back door, getting caught sleeping a lot on defense. Uh, so that'll wake you up. That'll that'll put you back on the discipline. That'll hum, that'll humble you as well. Um, you know, keep you from getting complacent because you know, I mean, obviously this team was getting some national attention. They weren't getting you know, a lot, you know, in terms of deserving a humbling. I, I don't think this team was getting cocky by any means. Um, but you know, a, a loss like that will keep you disciplined on the defensive end. Um, is the biggest takeaway. And if they can flush it and not dwell on it too much, which again, I I'm I'm not. You know, I don't think that they will, knowing Ichi, just how they, this whole program has been able to flush kind of last year and put put together what they have um, with this program this year. I don't I don't think flushing a loss like this is going to be a problem. You know, we'll see. I mean, maybe the travel might have something to do up there in Missouri, but I don't know. You should win this game, and if you do win this game, you know, you're going to excite your fan base for a home game against Georgia. Then you're on the road. And then I believe you have Kentucky at home on a Tuesday night. So if you can, you know, get to Kentucky, you know, unscathed on a Tuesday night, that place, Colonial Life is going to be jammed. And I I cannot wait to see it. It's electric. So, yeah, you're at Missouri. Then you've got Georgia at home. You're at Arkansas, which is going to be tough. If you can win that game heading into number six, Kentucky, you, there's going to be a lot of buzz around the Gamecocks heading into that one. There should be. There should be. I think that Kentucky game, it's a, it's a little away, right? But it's uh, that's probably your biggest test early in the season at home. Um, Even if you lose to Arkansas, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, Arkansas is a good team. Uh, you know, I know they've been in the news with their coach lately uh, with things going wrong. But, um, you know, just it happens, right? It's. You know, teams lose all over the country. Look at yesterday, man. Houston lost. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think who else lost yesterday. That was pretty big. Um, but, you know, yeah, Purdue. Yeah, Purdue. Yeah, Purdue lost to who? Who was? Who they lose to yesterday? No, I'm not remember. sure. I thought you were no, a big tech guy. I I just remember seeing them because Matt Matt Painter had a stat. He's like, tell me why our juniors and seniors all of our losses have been court storm losses so I, that that was a pretty yeah that was that was a pretty yeah. good stat from Matt painter shout out to matt painter too he recruited jade nivy when i was in high school he's really nice to the student section when uh when he was doing that so shout out to matt painter a little big 10 basketball on the sec show for you yeah they lost to nebraska yesterday at, at there it is, yeah. in lincoln so you know it's like hey it 
like they lost to Alabama. That's the that's a really good team right there. So you just got to yep. tip your hat to them and uh, move on, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. But one other thing I wanted to touch on, Joe, was yeah. just something that is kind of I don't think it's. I mean, a lot of things aren't getting talked enough about, but I think this one yeah. especially probably needs to get a little more traction. And I think it is the starting lineup, right? They've ran out the same starting lineup outside of one game where Michi Johnson was out with a, with a, an injury. Um, it's usually been Michi, Talon, BJ, Miles Studi, and then Stephen Clark. Now, four of those four of those guys have been pretty good so far this year. One of them just, I don't know, man, Stephen Clark. What – I don't know what they're doing right now. Just continuing to, I don't know what the strategy is. You know, I'm not, I'm not a basketball coach, right? I don't know what they know. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, trying to, you know, discredit Lamont or anything, but it's just curious as to why Stephen Clark continues to get run out there every time starting when you have a guy like Colin Murray Bowles, who we've talked about that I think is far and away better. Um, you know, maybe it's just something where, you know, he, you know, Stephen Clark maybe presents the right matchup against their bigs. But at the same time, just looking at the Mississippi State game, for example, you had him matching up against a guy like Tulu Smith, for instance. And Tulu Smith, all SEC type player, big kid. And Stephen Clark is just, he's, well, he's tall. I'll give him that. But he's also just kind of, kind of not as big muscular as you might like for a big to match up against a guy like that. And I think that's kind of where South Carolina's uh, weaknesses start to kind of shine through is that they don't have that true big man that can go in there and really size up well against, um, you know, another big center type player in the SEC where you have a lot of those kinds of guys. And I think that's kind of going to be something that it's hard to solve this season because you can't just you can't just magically bring in players and have them step in and you know all that sort of thing but i think what you can do is just try to find the guys internally that can go in there and that, that's where you need a guy like bj mack to come in and step up um you know he's a six seven six eight kind of guy big dude he should be able to match up with these kinds of guys and so far it just hasn't worked out that way and uh, maybe cmb will be that guy eventually but yeah, it's just just something that I just thought of, and uh, you know, I just I don't know. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon with Stephen Clark continuing to start because he gets in and then he exits right away. You know, he plays four minutes and then he exits, and then by the end of the night, his stat line is playing maybe ten minutes and he collects one rebound. I mean, I don't know what it is. It's maybe it's just I don't I don't I seriously don't know what it is, Joe. And uh, you know, it's something that. Probably should be figured out, right? I think you need to play the best guys, and I think a guy like Kyle Murray Boyles is that dude. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, they're trying to get Colin Murray Boyles, um, you know, rotated in and, and make sure that he's ready for college basketball. I think all signs are pointing to it, and he's kind of building up to basketball. I think the whole mono thing is behind him. But, again, I've had mono before being an at like, mid – you know, season, it's not fun. It takes a little while for your body to kind of recoup fully. Uh, you know, you really don't feel right until a couple months afterwards. So I'm sure there's a little bit of that and then a little bit of just, you know, getting him ready 
um, you know, for collegiate ball. But I mean, he's been doing really, really well. Um, you know, when he's been there, and, you know, I think you want a guy like BJ Mack mentoring him as well. That should excite people. Um, and you know, look at the roles that you were watching some guys play for Lamont Parrish's team because these you're going to see these roles, you know, continue to develop. I mean, look at Eli Ellis. You you look at comparison, right? A guard who likes to shoot a lot and likes to score the basketball. Who does he remind you of? Jack Michi Johnson, right? Oh. So these are the archetypes that Lamont is building, and it's something you can kind of look at and look forward to, and uh, just kind of look at the style of offense and the style of basketball that Lamont wants to play. And Kyle Murray Wells is certainly part of that as well. Uh, Jack, anything else uh, before we kind of preview the rest of the SEC schedule? I think that's everything that I've probably got yeah. on my mind. I know, I know that was like a like a few minute tangent there about the starting line, yeah. but just yeah, you got yeah. lots to talk about with this team after a loss, right? So plenty, plenty to talk about. We're gonna keep this show relatively short again because they did lose to Alabama, so it is to talk cover some stuff from a loss, um, but haven't had to put on the optimism shades quite yet. But Jack, um, have you looked at Georgia at all? I don't. I mean, it's, it's a week out, but uh, you know, Georgia coming up after Missouri, then you've got Arkansas, you've got Missouri twice. Obviously, you do have to play Georgia and and um, you know the rest of your division side twice. But uh, yeah, Jack, what I guess sum it up for me. What uh, what does this team have to do down the stretch in an SEC schedule to remain? Because uh, right now they're they're favorite to be an at large. Where do they have yeah. to? What do they have to do to to remain an at large favorite? So I'm glad you asked, Joe. Um, you know this is something that I like talking about because it's you know it's something that just keeps interest and in all that sort of thing. But um, you know I didn't think we were we would be having this conversation in January, right? Because when we talked about it at the beginning of the year, it was like oh you know it's probably a pipe dream and all that. But then they go on their really good stretch in non conference play, and here we are now. Um, so, like I said before, you probably need to win, let's say, somewhere about 20 games, right? So that gives you about eight to nine wins in conference play. Um, you're already one step of the way there, beating Mississippi State, who is a very good team. Um, but then you need some of these wins against teams that you should be. I think, realistically speaking, I think you could probably sweep Missouri. It all depends on that first game, right? Because you have them in Como on Saturday, and then you get them back at CLA later in the month, and you should be able to win on your home court. So it really comes down to that. And then you get Georgia. I think Georgia, Georgia you could probably split with. I think you're going to win at home, but then in Athens might be tough. I know they had a tough game there last year when they went to overtime and uh, lost a game they probably should have won because I think they had a double-digit lead. But that's neither here nor there. And then – you know, you got games against like Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee. Um, those are all games that could be wins, could be losses. We'll see. Arkansas is probably going to be a loss. Um, you know, Kentucky, who knows? And then Tennessee. Tennessee's roaring hot right now. I think they are a wagon, and I don't see South Carolina winning either of those games. But who knows? They get them, uh, you know, at home at the end of the, or I'm sorry, on the road at the end of the month, and then at home in March. So we'll see. Um, but other teams they should beat: Vanderbilt, LSU, uh, Ole Miss. I think they should beat them. And then outside of that, everything is just kind of a toss-up. Um, you know, Auburn's gonna be a tough game at Auburn. Um, I mean, we'll see. You get to play Ole Miss twice, so I think if you can win those two, win all the pairs that you need to win, and I think you get a few upsets in there. 
you'll get to that 20 win mark, no problem. Now, part of the problem is with making the tournament is that their non-conference play. Let's just be honest, it was not good. <laughs> like it was not good. The fact that they won, won but it wasn't the, good. You won. And people would think, oh, that's enough, right? You're 13 and two now. I mean, that's that's pretty good, right? Uh, no, not really, just because who did you beat? That's kind of what everyone really cares about. And South Carolina, I think as of yesterday, they had maybe seven quad four wins. It's broken up into four separate categories. You have quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four. South Carolina's wins have come the back half in those quad three, quad four type of categories. And Mississippi State, could be wrong, I think it was a quad two win. Uh, maybe a quad one. Um, if it were if it were at uh, if it were in Starkville, that would probably easily be a quad one win. But because it was at home, I believe it was a quad two. So don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty positive that was the case. And then you drop that game at Clemson that arguably you should have won. I mean, you had a double digit lead in the second half and you blew it. So it's things like that that kind of hold this team back from being higher up. That is why they didn't get ranked. Um, you know, everyone thought, oh, maybe they'll get ranked after that Mississippi State win. I think that was enough. I even thought maybe they had a chance, but they end up getting, I think, 29 votes in the AP poll. So obviously, not everyone is convinced, like the South Carolina fan base is. You have to do more, and winning an SEC play is going to do that. And then let's say they do get to that 19 to 20 win mark. I think that will probably end up getting you to the second round of uh, tournament play in uh, in Nashville this year for the SEC tournament. Uh, that means you won't be one of the last four seeds playing on day one. You'll be in that maybe like the seven to ten range maybe. Um, and we'll see what happens from there. But I think you definitely have to win on day two. You definitely have to win the second round. And then that gets you to the quarterfinals. I think winning in the quarterfinals is obviously going to be tougher. You're probably going to be paired up against one of those top four or five SEC seeds. Um, We're not really breaking down a potential of a South Carolina basketball title run right now, absolutely, are we? Absolutely, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm just telling you the facts of what they need to do. But yeah, I think realistically, you probably need to make it to, let's say, semis maybe. You, you need to win, I think, one to two games, probably two to get some sort of at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. Um, but if they don't make the tournament for uh, you know March Madness and stuff, I think the NIT is a more likely solution. Um, and look, if you're getting invited to any sort of tournament, I think that is a huge step up in year two for Lamont Paris. I think if you told any fan or analyst, whoever at the beginning of the year, that South Carolina would be you know in that range, have a chance to do that, that's pretty incredible for a year or two. So I think you just got to be happy with where things are right now and know that there is a chance. You know, it's not like last season where you're losing, losing, losing. And, oh, yeah, we're just looking forward to next year. And we'll see what happens. But now it's like next year's here and they're playing pretty well. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, this loss against Alabama, I don't think it has the – lingering effect that it will on their uh, their schedule. Obviously, it's a bad loss, but it's against one of the best teams in the country and still in my opinion. So um, just win these games that you have to win and uh, let the rest take care of itself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in terms, for me at least, uh, in terms of making the NCAA tournament as an at-large, I think, again, like Jack said, you got to make it at least to the semis, uh, the SEC tournament. Uh, you have to, me at least. You got to beat Tennessee at least once 
Uh, you got them at home. You got them away. So you got to beat Tennessee at least once. Uh, a win at Auburn would be nice, but you need to make more than one top five or ranked win, essentially, right? So you have Kentucky once. You've got Tennessee twice. You've got Auburn at Auburn. Um, and then, yeah, Mississippi State might wind up ranked. Uh, I'm assuming Alabama is going to wind up ranked. But, again, you got blown out by them, so you can't go back and change that at the moment. Uh, so, yeah, you need more than one ranked win, whether that come against Auburn, twice against Tennessee, once against Kentucky, once against Auburn. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know who it, who it is against who, what. But you need to do that, and then you need to, uh, you know, obviously make the semis. And David brings up a good point here. At home fan support. Absolutely. Yeah. You need people in colonial life. And I think, you know, if this team stands their ground and is able to kind of make it through, you know, the grueling SEC schedule and still stay in contention for an at large bit um, down the stretch, you're going to get people out to colonial life. I don't doubt that. The student body has wanted a men's basketball team to get behind years now. I'm telling you, the student body, like, is ready to get behind a men's basketball team and to have March. And, you know, be exciting again um, in February, be exciting again um, in terms of basketball. And obviously the women's team, they do everything awesome. Like they're all great. and It's so much fun supporting them. But this school is ready for a men's basketball team to take off um, and do well. So, yeah, David hitting the nail on the head there. Um, you know, at home fan support is going to be big. Um, it's going to be big against Tennessee. It's going to be big against Kentucky. Those are your two uh, top five or top 10, uh, matchups remaining on the schedule, but you got to do that. Got to get to the ACC tournament to get an at large bid. Then after that, I mean, who knows, uh, if they make the NCAA tournament, but I think, you know, Mont Paris is tapping into this, you know, new era of transfer portal college basketball, and he's doing a good job of it so far with Michi, Talon Cooper, Miles Studi, that combination, DJ Mack as well. Um, so that's, I mean, regardless of how far this team goes, um, it, it should excite you um, that Lamont Paris is uh, so far right now and now the right guy for the job, right? So we'll see how this team responds to adversity down the stretch. But as of now, looking so far so good, Missouri is going to be a big, big, big barometer of seeing how this team can respond because they have to go do it on the road at Missouri. It's, again, it's another tough team. They're floating in front of it. They, they can beat you if you let them. So, um, you know, just like any other team in this league, so yeah, Missouri. We'll, we'll see what this team looks like. Missouri. You know, I. I mean, I. I could expect anything from a blowout to a, a narrow win. So we'll see. We will see. Um, but for me, at least, it starts at Missouri, and then we'll see what happens with the rest of this team. But Jack, anything else uh, for for the people that are still watching uh, before we get you out of here? That's all. That's all I got, man. That's all I got. It was a good show tonight. Feels good to be back. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I know we got some quarterback news. <laughs> We were working on getting that up for Gamecock Central, but um, I believe the kid coming up is a preferred walk-on. Um, but, yeah, we are, we're working on getting all that news handled as well. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in. David, appreciate it as always. Have a good rest of your week, and we will see you next week probably with a guest. So uh, looking forward to that as well. And then we'll also touch on the women's team as well. But thank you guys for tuning in, and have a great rest of your Wednesday night.